0: I'm Jill Miller. And I'm Mary Kastner. Have those charismaniacs left you damaged
1: and scarred? On behalf of Holy Spirit, we hope to offer you some damage control. Because he wants a relationship with you. And we're here to support you along the way, whether it's in ministry or your day-to-day life.
0: Mary, I am so excited to talk about our topic today. Like, yeah. So excited, but I guess first, I'm obligated to do a little check in, see how things are going, you know, all those things.
1: Glory stories. I don't know. We need a thing. Yeah, we should have
0: like we, yeah, we need a thing. <laughs> we need a thing. Glory, glory.
1: All right, a jingle, a smooth jazz jingle leading into glory stories.
0: With a saxophone.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely.
0: Please.
1: Can you, Jill, can you explain what a glory story is once again? Just because it's kind of new for people, I think.
0: Yes. So glory stories are just little nuggets of gold and affirmation (laughs) and blessing (laughs) that have happened throughout our week, our month, since the last time we recorded that we just kind of share to give God the glory and just
1: to offer a little bit of gratitude. So, Mary, take it away. Okay. So... I want to give God the glory for actually my parish staff, who are hilarious and great. Um, So we had a, we, we actually, praise God, our pastor let us, just the staff, join the priests for Easter vigil. So we actually got to receive Jesus, and we did a socially distanced mass, so everyone was kind of in their section of the church and stuff. But what was hilarious and it just felt like family after the fact was one of our staff members has been applying to seminary and he turned to everyone and he goes, hey, everybody, I just want to make this announcement. I got into seminary and me, who's normally the quiet person that doesn't speak without thinking, just let out this super loud, what? (laughs) And it just echoes across the church. And our African priest at our parish just starts poking fun at me and laughing hysterically and going, oh, Mary didn't think Jose was going to get into seminary, you know, and it just turned into this, like, why didn't you think that he'd get in, you know, Mary? Like, so everyone was making fun of me and saying that I just didn't think Jose was good enough to be a priest. And sorry, Jose. It was actually, I was excited for him, but just came out wrong that is amazing
0: and i can vividly picture all of those things happening to gabby the glory
1: glory um
0: my glory story is that this weekend well back up actually a little bit my brought one of my bridesmaids brian who actually thought she was gonna be a nun for ages got engaged a little bit ago and the wedding was supposed to be over divine mercy weekend and just a couple things that had happened with Rob and I here. I was supposed to be in the wedding, and then it didn't look like I was going to be able to go home. Um, Rob is her husband. For the by wedding, the way. so that kind of sucked. Yeah, Rob is my husband, <laughs> not this random person that my life depends on. Anyways, so Rob is my husband, and we didn't think that we we're going to be able to go back because of some stuff with immigration and all that jazz, all the fun mm-hmm. stuff of living in a foreign country. But yeah they continued with the wedding even though quarantine is happening and mm. that kind of thing and they had it live streamed on facebook and they had a live streamed like we did a little zoom like ba- bridal shower for a bachelorette kind of thing which was amazing and you know selfishly i just my glory story is that i got to participate in it when i wouldn't have been able to oh, yeah which was amazing Aww. and i told her that it's like you know i'm really sorry that obviously all this is happening and that has to be really difficult but i'm I'm selfishly selfishly really really happy that i got to (laughs) to witness it and it was beautiful and i cried like a baby because i weep that's what i do i'm a emotional don't let her fool you yeah it was it was awesome so yeah brian and brianne their names if listeners are so inclined to pray for them please do they're awesome yeah that has to be really really difficult right now and she's amazing and probably one of the holiest people that i know ever so to god be glory for that Woo for zoom weddings
1: (laughs) who would have thought crazy crazy
0: crazy Cool. So once again, I just want to invite anybody who may also have glory stories to share with us on our email. Don't shove the dove at gmail.com. But now we get to get into our topic, which I'm so, like I said before, I'm really, really excited because this is something that I'm kind of passionate about. And you are too, Mary. So today, our topic is what to kind of make of our separated brothers and sisters. So Protestants, evangelicals, what have you to label them as. Our, our
1: bros and sisters in Christ. Yeah. And we love. Literally,
0: like on our notes, it says, what to make of our separated bros. <laughs> our bros. They're our bros. <laughs> They're my bros. So. And really, we thought we would talk about this because last episode, Mary mentioned Todd White, who is a pretty well-known evangelical preacher, goes all over. Yes. And to some people, that might be kind of a turnoff. Maybe because we're mm-hmm. talking about and using Protestant resources. Uh, so, we right. just wanted to really be able to talk about our approach to these things from a Catholic
1: lens. So, right. Yeah. Right. Anybody who's ultimately not Catholic. Mm hmm. Cool. So, so, I guess the question is and Jill, you said um, that you'd been asked this before as well. That we've had people ask is it really just boils down to, to start with, is it okay? to listen to sermons or talks or even read resources from our Protestant brothers and sisters? Is is it okay as a Catholic to do that? So what what would you say, I guess, to start off?
0: I think that the question also ultimately boils down to, is there something that Protestant evangelical preachers have to offer us Mm. when... Dealing with spiritual realities. And I think the answer is yes. We we talk about them as separated brothers and sisters. We as Catholics believe that they are not in the fullness of truth. But they do have some truth. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree obviously with church. And I do think that you have to approach it with a, with a Catholic mindset. And with prudence and uh, discernment. But to be honest, I also have to do that with some Catholic resources too. Just because somebody's Catholic and writes a resource doesn't mean that it's also authentically Catholic. And so Mm -hmm. I don't really see any difference. I mean, there's obviously sometimes like you fall into you know, Protestants are a little bit less tied to church sometimes or to a denomination and they kind of go in between very easily. And so when they talk about those things we have to Recognize the church's magisterium and, you know, it's how it approaches truth and, you know, know that the church is always right, and we just have to <laughs> discover, you know, why the church believes what it believes.
1: But right? How about you, Mary? Right. I mean, yeah, I think I would agree in that. I think it's okay to listen to their resources because, like you said, that even though we believe that in the Catholic Church. Our understanding is that we possess the fullness of the truth, but they still pray to the same Jesus. They still read scripture. Um, even though our scriptures might look a little different, you know, they're, most Protestants read, what is it, they're down seven books. Um, they don't have the Apocrypha. Um, so there, there's a level of, they're not fully connected, but they still have Jesus. And um, I think one of the things that have happened, is Jill, you brought up the question of, Do they have something to offer? What do they have to offer? And one thing that I've experienced is in Catholicism, we have such a vast amount of resources and spiritualities and I don't know, just such a beauty and depth and a richness that exploring all of these different facets of the Catholic faith can be overwhelming and our protestant brothers and sisters participate in a part of that but the parts of that that they actually participate in they do really really well because that's kind of been their focus so i think that's why you see you just tend to see a better quality in their praise and worship music or in their attention to scripture in their own personal prayer lives i've seen a greater dependence on scripture <laughs> In, in the Protestant world because they don't have the bishops to look to, right? And so there's just certain things or or even just when it comes to corporate gatherings and community, they can't a lot of them can't rely on just that consistent, well, people just show up because they're supposed to. There's kind of a pressure on them in a way where they end up experiencing these these parts of the faith in a way that's even more in depth because that's that's what they've had and that's their focus. Whereas we kind of get lost in the shuffle of all of it because there's so much more even with the sacraments and everything, you know. But they certainly have things to offer. And I know I didn't really have this like crazy conversion. I, I had a relationship with Jesus since I was little, but Protestants played a huge role in my growth, in my relationship with the Lord even on a basic level in high school. You know, my best friends were from other denominations. And it was evident in their own lives that they actually were closer to to Jesus and they knew him and they wanted that relationship with him, honestly, more than my Catholic friends did, way more. And that was just my circumstance where I was at. So I've just been super blessed. And, and actually called on <laughs> in a lot of ways, to be honest, in my relationships with our Protestant brothers and sisters.
0: Yeah, I think that, I, I mean, I have a similar experience as well. I was a, only a Catholic kid, one of the only Catholic kids in my high school, the only Catholic kid in my like graduating class. So very, very small, um, very Pentecostal community. And one of my best friends, Eden, she's mm. Protestant, she's Methodist. And when I was kind of away from the Lord a little bit and not really taking on the Catholic faith as my own before kind of my conversion, I would say, she was the voice of, of reason really, and of the Lord and kind of that, that presence in my life. And I remember, you know, she would come sometimes to youth group with me and I'd go to youth group with her. I went to protestant camp with her like a week-long summer camp which is centrifuge and Mm -hmm. it's a pretty big protestant camp and i remember that was like the first time and coming from somebody who at the time was like deciding whether or not faith was an important thing so i mean even the idea of being catholic wasn't super on my like heart of like oh identify as this or whatnot but I remember that was the first time mm-hmm. experiencing that something was missing in the church outside of the Catholic Church. And that was the, the time when I mm-hmm. was really solidified in my conviction of if I'm going to have a relationship with Jesus and I'm going to make you know faith a part of my life, then I don't see myself anywhere outside of the Catholic Church. And it wasn't because... I didn't like it or or whatnot like the music was awesome and the community was awesome and all these things that are really really attractive to people in Protestant churches was all there and I loved it all but there was something missing and Mm -hmm. I remember identifying that as the Eucharist and identifying Mm -hmm. like there is something more that I receive at mass even though sometimes mass is boring and you know, the person next to you sings off key and I don't like the music and all these things, but (laughs) the Eucharist is what kept me there. And it was really then those relationships with our separated, like brothers and sisters that fed me and challenged me to ask why I believe what I do. You know, why is a Catholic? Do I believe Mm. in the true presence? Why? And they challenged me because they don't like they they can't be lazy And I think that sometimes as Catholics we're lazy because we have a catechism and people teach us and catechize us and form us. And we just take in, you know, passively take in things from, you know, people who know more than we do. And with Protestants and evangelicals, like, they go to scripture and they ask those questions why. And they seek that out for themselves. And I think that's something that they have to offer us is that desire to really seek out the Lord because as beauty, as beautiful as our tradition is in the church and the catechism, that is not the word of God. Right. And it is all derived from the word and from tradition, but we have to Mm -hmm. know like the church reveres like the gospels and the word of God as much as they do the Eucharist. And you yeah. have to go mm-hmm. to the word and be in the word. And it's something that it pains me that people think that Catholics don't know anything about the Bible.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. And there are so many that don't, to be honest. Like, there are so many that don't. Exactly. And
0: unfortunately, that's a part of Catholicism that we really need to be challenged by our separated brothers and sisters mm-hmm. to take on because it is Catholic. Scripture is Catholic.
1: Yeah. And not afraid. I think sometimes people get afraid even to go into scripture because they don't know enough. And I think you can almost have the same or similar, I guess, like a mentality going in, right? If you're listening to a talk, whether it's a Protestant or a Catholic or even scripture, having this lens of, okay, questions are going to come up. And there, there might be things that don't sit right with me in this talk and even some of the things that Jesus says are like shocking <laughs> or don't make sense. They, they don't um, on a natural level and they're meant to challenge us. And my experience has been whenever I lean into those things and I actually try and work through them and acknowledge what doesn't sit right and acknowledge what confuses me and wrestle with those things... I end up becoming even more convicted in the Catholic answer has been my own experience, which is why I'm still Catholic, because it has not broken from making sense. <laughs> Anytime that I've pressed in with something, and I'm like, why would Jesus say that? That's a mean, you know, <laughs> like, well, that, that doesn't make any sense. Or they said this, and that didn't sit right for some reason. And it, it actually, the, Jesus even says things that are kind of, I think he wanted those experiences of us being like, wait, and and actually trying to get us to wrestle.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. And you read about it. If you read scripture as well, like you, St. Paul writes to the Thessalonians, test everything and hold on to what is good. Mm -hmm. Like we are supposed to, to test. Yeah. There might be some, you know, bad things or things that we don't believe when we go out and look at some Protestant theology and, listen to evangelical preachers but there's also good in that that doesn't mean that we need to throw the baby out with the bathwater. exactly um Mm -hmm. and looking at that communal kind of accountability that we have as a church the magisterium tells us you know this is how the scriptures are to be interpreted but going and, and reading it through ourselves and having that integrity of saying i'm not just repeating what I'm being told, I know this for myself. And when we interact with, under, with other people and mm-hmm. they ask us, why would we believe that? Then it's not just like a, a list of things to go through of like, oh, I've read this and this is why, and this is why, but it's actually a personal experience. And oftentimes people find that the most convicting. Yes. And I think that that maybe is also why we find some of the preachers from other denominations convicting as well, because
1: they've been convicted. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like the more that they dig in to even questions they've had, I I think this, like how you'd mentioned earlier, Jill, the Eucharist for you and how that was kind of this pillar where you were like, well, I believe in the Eucharist. So how could I be anything but Catholic? I think in the, in the Protestant world, historically there's been kind of a fear of anything resembling Catholicism. And we kind of talked about that in the last episode a little bit. But what I'm seeing more today is there isn't so much of a fear of that. And I see Protestants examining things and looking at even history and mystics and church fathers and actually coming to really Catholic conclusions and really Catholic spiritualities. Like my former bass player in my band, Jacob, was actually a part of Bethel for a time and he said while he was there in their small groups they were reading the writings of mystics of catholic mystics because Mm -hmm. their their kind of pool of spiritual writings and depth only went so far and so they were tapping into catholic mystics
0: yeah I mean that's a story of John Bergsma and Scott Hahn as well like they were intensely protestant Right, I remember taking my biblical studies class and John Bergsma gave his testimony at the beginning. And he's talking about how when he was at seminary, I think he was Calvinist. Mm -hmm. uh, When he was at seminary, he had to like write something that said, like write a thing that said, I believe that the Eucharist is not the real presence or, or whatnot. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. And then he said that as he was studying at seminary, and he started deciding that he wanted to go back and read what the early Christians were and the church fathers. And he said, Mm -hmm. I started reading that. And as I was reading it, he said that he was realizing that all these things sounded really Catholic (laughs) and really against what he had just said that he believed. And that's how he came to his conversion was through church fathers. Mm -hmm. And if we're on our journey trying to find truth right yeah and we believe that we have the fullness of truth then anything that we kind of listen to if we're truly seeking truth is going to lead back to the church
1: exactly we have
0: to have some comfort in that we have to know if we listen to a, a protestant preacher a sermon or or whatnot and we're really seeking out the truth that that'll just affirm us in our catholicism
1: right Right. You need to just kind of be self-aware with it and where you're at in that journey and in that walk with the Lord. And if you're someone who has just come into the Catholic Church, is just trying to learn basic things and just starting out, you might want to hold off before tapping into Protestant resources so that you don't get confused. So be aware of where you're at. But if you're solid in your your convictions and you are looking to grow and you're open, I think specifically with this podcast, we're bringing up this topic largely because in the Catholic Church, we haven't, or at least for me, I haven't seen the Holy Spirit and a spirituality and a devotion to the Holy Spirit taught or where there's like a lot of resources on it in in the Catholic Church in terms of... Yeah,
0: structure
1: right in in structure or especially when it comes to charismatic gifts or I'm trying to think of how to articulate it but basically when it comes to a spirituality of the Holy Spirit and that devotion, I haven't experienced as many Catholic resources talking about gifts or healing or receiving from the Lord and how to move in these things and and personal experience even of doing that kind of stuff and moving in that spirituality and so, there, there happens to be actually a pretty big wealth of Protestant resources on it. And I don't think it's be- that's because it's not Catholic. I think that they've just tapped into it more for some reason. And I mean, I, I want to continue to grow and learn. And if it's true and it lines up with the Catholic Church's lens, then I don't have a problem with it, you know? Um, I want to continue to grow. And and that's even part of the motivation for this podcast. I don't know of any other podcasts. And, and if you know of some, please tell us. Please send us a message <laughs> and tell us. Yeah,
0: please, like, for sure.
1: But I don't, I don't know of any other podcast or speaker who tends to, well, maybe, like, Mary Healy. I've heard of Mary Healy. But I don't really know of a group that's addressing these things that in a a Catholic way, and that's something that we wanted to provide because we recognize the lack and the need to be able to talk about these things. So
0: yeah, absolutely. And yeah, just because we, you know, listen to some Protestant preachers or or whatnot, doesn't mean that we don't look for Catholic resources either. No, (laughs) we do. Absolutely. Um, and we look there first, and you know, always welcome those things, but also know that we can. We feel like we're in a place in our faith, and having you know the education, the background that we do in the ministry, and you know our own personal relationship, being in a place where we can kind of be more discerning with some of the things
1: that aren't Catholic, exactly, or, or overtly Catholic. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's okay, <laughs> you know, um, we we can agree to disagree. With, with our Protestant brothers and sisters and it not be this huge dividing thing. We we are playing for the same team. I think sometimes in the church we have this tendency to talk about Protestants or I've, I've seen it where it's like, it's so negative. It's almost like, oh, they're the lepers and we stay away from them. No, like <laughs> I have Protestant friends that I believe are way holier than I am. And we're playing for the same team and it's not like, well, they're, they're Satanists and we're like, no, they're not the enemy. And we have way more in common than we don't. The majority of denominations we have far more in common than not. Even what we mentioned earlier, how there's this fear of things in the, the Protestant world, the fear that we've seen historically of anything resembling things that are Catholic. I'm noticing that not being as present in Protestant culture and even in the last like year or two, I've come across three different preachers with significant platforms that have talked about how they actually believe in the true presence in the Eucharist. And these talks are recorded and you can find them on YouTube and how in their own search in scripture and their own wrestling with scripture, that they're not fully there where they don't understand apostolic succession and... The authority that the priest has and how he's the one that consecrates Jesus, but Francis Chan is the one that that just blew up like yeah, just a couple months yeah, ago of people went super that. viral, and he talked and he was humble. He was talking about he goes, I didn't know that for fifteen hundred years the church believed that it was literally the body and blood of Jesus, and it he actually was humble enough to then kind of question what he had believed before. And to really take a harder look at that, Bill Johnson, in a sermon I recently heard, he's the pastor at Bethel. They were doing like Protestant communion, right, at one of their services. But he actually stops in the middle of his sermon and he goes, I know there might be Catholics or evangelicals here. And I I just want to say that so that you understand my understanding, My father raised us, but he actually sat me down at one point and his dad was a pastor. And he goes, my dad sat me down at one point and told me, Bill, in scripture, Jesus does not say this represents my body and this represents my blood. He says, this is my body and this is my blood. And it's just shocking to hear these things publicly proclaimed. And they have the humility to proclaim it. And it, it, he wasn't fully on, even though it
0: sounds Catholic. It's
1: it, you're. I'm like, dang, Bill, you're so close. <laughs> you're so close.
0: So close. You will find yourself. The more Protestants that you listen to, you're like, oh, you're so close. Just
1: keep going that, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's remarkable how that fear is that fear is left, and they've examined Scripture more. How Catholic their preaching becomes, and it's it's fascinating to me. Even even who was it, uh, Benny Hinn, who you know people make fun of because you see, and his his ministry has been showy. You'll see a lot of people resting in the spirit, and he even talked about oh Benny, oh Benny, <laughs> but he talks about in one of his his sermons he talked about a statistic. He didn't just give his opinion. He gave a statistic of how more healings happen like during communion at Catholic masses than in all Pentecostal services combined. And he says this thats crazy. in a Pentecostal setting. And you can tell they did not like him saying that. And he actually stops them from getting angry at him. And he says, no, that's a fact. That's a statistic. Like, don't get mad at me for that. <laughs> you know, like, and then he talks about it as well. He said, Jesus said, this is my body and this is my blood. So it's interesting, this turning that I'm seeing happening and this lack of fear that used to be there before.
0: Yeah, and I think that we need to approach it like seeing how close they are also to Catholicism rather than how far they are. Yes. One of the big resources, because I work in, both of us work in ministry for people that don't know, one of the resources that we've been quite heavily pushing into parishes is Alpha. Mm-hmm. And Alpha has started out as an Anglican, from the Anglican Church, and now would, have felt, would say that it's non-denominational. And we kind of get a lot of pushback from people for using Alpha Alpha, because it's not Catholic. It's not a Catholic resource. Mm-hmm. And that mentality is really frustrating sometimes because it is very catholic the resource is very catholic and there's nothing in it that i would say you know is non-catholic or anti-catholic right and the reason why we use it is it's because there is no resource out there right now even amongst ascension presents and Mm -hmm. all like all the catholic companies there's no resource out there that does pre-evangelization And the proclamation of the Kerygma as good as Alpha. Right. There's nothing.
1: Just the basic gospel message. The basic gospel message. Communicated in an attractive way. Yes. In an approachable way. Where you're free to question and wrestle. Exactly.
0: People are so focused on the fact that it doesn't come from a Catholic company. That they fail to realize that the Kerygma, what is proclaiming the basic gospel message, is as Catholic as it gets basically. The only reason why it exists is because of the Catholic Church. Yeah. Like, the pearl of faith, you know, that is that's Catholic! Yeah, that
1: Jesus came and died for you, and (laughs) you know, like, basically.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and talking about the, the Holy Spirit, I actually think that Alpha also is one of the amazing resources that talks about the gifts and tongues and relationship with the holy spirit and the person of the holy spirit really well oh, like yeah one of the best that i've seen mm-hmm. in a video series In and, and in a short way there's only mm-hmm. three like episodes or videos about it and it's meant to be over kind of a weekend for those of you guys that are familiar with alpha and it's kind of like a weekend retreat that you're supposed to do or a day retreat right but it's amazing and it's an amazing teaching on what we as Catholics believe as far as the gift of tongues and mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit and the gifts. It's great. And the most awesome part of it is that there's a very prominent Catholic priest as one of their presenters on that, which is amazing.
1: Oh um, yeah. Father
0: Cantilamesa And he really is talk about a Catholic who has put out some great resources. Yeah. Father cantilamesa Rhaenyra Cantilamesa is the papal preacher which basically means that he was appointed by John Paul II to be the Pope's personal preacher. Yeah. And so he preaches to the Pope. Right. And he's been there since JP two, Benedict XVI, yeah. now Pope Francis. Um, and he's amazing and he loves the Holy Spirit and... Mm-hmm he's put out some great books and resources. Yeah. And so if you're looking for something Catholic, that's probably the guy to go to. He's the guy. <laughs>
1: he I mean for being someone who Pope John Paul II, Saint Pope John Paul II pointed out and was like, "I want you preaching to me." That's some pretty serious Catholic street cred right there. <laughs> you know, I don't I don't know that it really gets much better. I think he's he's fantastic and he he even started out with he he didn't really have any sort of a devotion to the Holy Spirit or charismatic spirituality for a long time, for the majority the majority of his life. I mean he talks about it in some of his resources, but he had an experience of the Holy Spirit totally changed his life. And he's brilliant, super brilliant man. Fantastic Catholic resource. Yeah. Yeah. Well Jill, did you did you want to talk about some of the resources on the Holy Spirit that we have. Oh, yeah, we just kind of
0: wanted to give you guys maybe like two suggestions. And the first one is Cantilla Mesa's two books, two main books on the Holy Spirit. Sober Intoxication of the Spirit is what it's called. Mary can kind of give some feedback on
1: that. Totally. So his name, once again, just. Just try saying Cantalamesa five times fast. <laughs> um, but Cantalamesa. 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 So he's fantastic. And I think just try spelling it. Google will figure it out for you. But his, his books, he uses so much great scriptural backing on, on what he's saying in terms of the spirituality. He explains the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He uses writings of church fathers, so this is like solid, solid stuff. So if you want to even understand the theology behind a charismatic spirituality, he is fantastic, especially Sober Intoxication of the Spirit, one. He just explained it in a way that was sacramental based on the church fathers and scripture, and it was so clear and solid, I, I highly, highly, highly recommend Sober Intoxication of the Spirit. And there's a one and a two. A one, two, three, four. Yeah. Maybe there'll be more. Oh my gosh, I'd be so happy if three came out.
0: That would be awesome. Yes, but there's only one and two right now. He also had some other books so you can check out, but those two are great starting mm-hmm. places. Um, the other one that we wanted to share is a book that actually Mary and I are almost so done good. with. We've been listening to it on an ebook or audible mm-hmm. whatever it's called and that is Forgotten God by Francis Chan. Yes. And I was actually on a friend's podcast a couple of months ago and they mentioned the book and I was like, "Oh, I haven't read that one." Um but I know who Francis Chan is and so I just decided in preparation for this episode to start reading a little bit of it so I could for sure recommend it or not. And it is incredible. It is so good. It, it's um, amazing. And it's a book on the Holy Spirit and he wrote the title as Forgotten God because oftentimes the Holy Spirit is a person of the Trinity that we forget and that we neglect. Yeah. And it's all like written about um, the neglect of the Holy Spirit and then how to kind of enter into that and what that might look like and mm-hmm. some of the hesitations that people have with entering into relationship with the Holy Spirit one of the things that I learned in it was like Protestants also call people charismatic, which I didn't even know. I thought that was like a Catholic thing. I thought, yeah, you just kind of assume all Protestants are
1: charismatic, but I guess not. Um, Nope. (laughs) Definitely not. (laughs) Definitely not. (laughs) I learned that the hard way.
0: And it's really awesome and simple to, to digest and to take in. Yeah. It's incredible. So go ahead, look it up, read it. If you do a free trial of audible or have, a subscription you can get it with one of your credits so i've been listening to it for free and it's converted me to being (laughs) an audiobook lover and also yeah a huge fan of francis chan
1: he's amazing so we've been listening to the one where francis chan is actually the reader of the book and i think that makes a huge difference if you can download that one because he can just he puts like you hear it in the right tone and it's communicated and it's him i don't know if it gets much better than it actually being him
0: yeah and to be honest francis chan is one of those people that i listen to and like his sincerity and humility and just desire to seek out knowing the lord is so prominent in the way that he talks that when he's reading the book even though he's reading it it is mm-hmm. so convicting yes like to me as a listener to be like oh my gosh like why am I why am I doing things or you know what is the motivation and have I been neglecting you know the yeah. Holy Spirit and y- yeah it's just
1: mm-hmm. it,
0: it calls you yeah, on... I want to do a whole episode on it
1: yeah so our hope is to do an episode on that whole book because it's fantastic and we're going to do it in a way that you don't have to have read it in order to benefit from the conversation. It's just a fantastic book. Highly recommend reading it. It's it's like a three hour long audio book. It's not long. You can kind of break it up. And I mean, I didn't realize I'm almost finished with the book already. And it's amazing. This
0: morning I was like making bagels and baking and just (laughs) listening to it. So, yeah, just download it or whatnot. It's also available on other streaming services and stuff, but I think Audible is actually the cheapest option um, to get it.
1: Yeah. So, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Forgotten God, France Chan. France Chan. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> totally. Great. Well, we wanted to provide you with those resources. Now, we'd actually love to pray with you. So, Jill's just going to lead us in a prayer. Are you cool with that, Jill? Ready to lead us yeah, in some prayer?
0: Yeah, I am cool with that. I like praying. You guys haven't heard <laughs> me pray yet, so I figured that I should lead prayer so you guys know that I also love Jesus and talking to him. <laughs> it and Mary's going to do time. a practical afterwards because Mary is also capable of doing those things.
1: We can do practical things too, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Although we make a great team. Um, yes. Great. So if you want to just take a moment to pause and just... Get away to a quiet place or um, just maybe away from distractions or whatnot. And just resume whenever you're ready. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask for an outpouring of your Spirit upon us and upon our listeners right now, Lord, in this place. We pray for a great desire for unity, that you just pour that out in our heart, that you convict us with your Spirit, Lord. Holy Spirit, We ask that you move those things in our heart to give us a a great disposition to receive your truth, more of you, to give us perspective and humility and charity to approach our separated brothers and sisters, to give us your spirit of boldness, Holy Spirit, to ask questions and to seek truth to question and to test in order to greater know you in the name of Jesus just rebuke any fear or hesitations that might come against us and Mother Mary I I ask that you bring those things that maybe we're uncertain about or can't quite wrap our minds around. I ask that you bring that to the foot of the cross. Make it our offering to your son. Lord, we give you all the glory for, for the work that you're doing in your church And for the unification of your church, Lord, we ask that you might bless us and give us a passion for for bringing unity to your body. Amen. Amen. In the, name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
1: Amen. Awesome! I'm so excited. Um, so now the practical, some application, something that you can do after the podcast or during your, your week. We want to encourage you to actually go on the Google, particularly, uh, particularly YouTubes. So go to YouTube, the face chats. Yeah, totally. Go to YouTube.com and if you type in Francis Chan Eucharist um the videos will come up but there's we just strongly strongly encourage you to watch there's there's two different videos one is a th- like a 3 minute or 5 minute clip of his talk on the eucharist and how he is just realizing that there's something there to this concept of eucharistic presence and it's it's amazing that's what went viral but there's also a version that's His full talk, and it's, I think it's like 47 minutes long. And you can do, if you don't have the time, do the three minute version at least. It's so worth it. If you do have the time, or if you can make the time, strongly, 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 strongly recommend that you check out the 47 minute long one because it is fantastic. And it's good for, I feel like, for you to listen to wherever you're at on the spectrum of your spirituality, where you're at because he's a great example of someone who has actually wrestled with and contended with the questions that he's had in his faith he's been humble enough to recognize when there is truth that challenges his prior beliefs that actually is yeah, humble up-
0: enough to be wrong like yeah to admit that he's wrong
1: yeah or and it, could it's be wrong. it's yeah so it's so refreshing To listen to whether you are a a Protestant, one of our Protestant bros (laughs) or sisters listening to this podcast, or if you are um, a, a Catholic, wherever you're at on the spectrum of even spirituality or the Holy Spirit, it is an amazing watch. I highly encourage this. And even taking time after watching the talk to just invite the Lord into what He wants to show you about you know, about you or your own life or what he's speaking into you or how he might want you to grow. Um, But I just think it's so inspiring, Francis's disposition of humility and, yeah, just just how actually Catholic his talk is. It's fascinating. So worth the watch.
0: Yeah, and that approach really is something that I think if we want to bring unity to the church which is the lord's desire the lord's desire is that we be one as that there be no discord between his body and if we want to be a part and have a hand in making that happen then we have to learn to have a more humble approach
1: absolutely absolutely so yeah yeah. so that's what we have for you today i hope that that hope that that cleared up some questions maybe if you've been hesitant we are going to be bringing up some some protestant brothers and sisters and their resources in this podcast as well so maybe that'll that'll help if you felt a little concerned (laughs) that we mentioned one um know that we are in full communion with the catholic church we are like so gung-ho catholic um and there's also so many great resources out there from our protestant brothers and sisters and we're going to acknowledge them You know, we're going to acknowledge them. So for your benefit, so that you can grow in your relationship with Holy Spirit. So. Amen. To
0: God be the glory. Glory. Amen. Mm. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening, and we will catch you in two weeks' time. Awesome. God bless you guys.
1: Thanks for listening.